0: Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. The notwithstanding clause has been the subject of much discussion, much debate. As the province of Ontario, again, has accessed the notwithstanding clause in this particular education strike reality. Um, And the question is... Is the notwithstanding clause being overused by provinces? Some people are asking the question, should the notwithstanding clause even exist? If the charter guarantees you certain freedoms, should provinces have the ability to reach for a lever, i.e. the notwithstanding clause, and uh, just overrule the charter and overrule, if necessary, Supreme Court? I, I, I tweeted this earlier this week. I was walking the beach. This is really surreal. Week after the Quebec referendum on sovereignty in 1995, found myself in San Diego. Coincidentally, the former premier of Quebec, Robert Barossa, was in San Diego, and I asked him for an interview. And the idea was to talk to him about the future of Canada because we had rescued or the Quebec voters had rescued our confederation by less than one percentage point in the in the referendum. So then I started to ask him as well about Bill 101, which was the original use of the notwithstanding clause. Bill 101, the Quebec legislation, denied English language use on commercial signs in the province. And the Supreme Court said Bill 101 was unconstitutional, violated the charter. And the province, under the leadership of Robert Rasa, said, notwithstanding that, we are going to go forward with our legislation. No English on commercial signs. So, uh, and I asked him why, and he said I had to safeguard, as the premier of Quebec, I had to safeguard the French language. Each province, each premier, every government that had used the notwithstanding clause, Quebec and Ontario, have used it uh, quite recently. Well, Ontario just the last couple of days, um, or, or or had it in place to be used. Each of them has a reason. Is the reason good enough? Now I read an op-ed by our next guest, Jeff Callahan, assistant professor of political science at the University of Windsor, and uh, it was in a uh, an online um, public uh, publishing. What do you want to call it? It's a it's like a ma- online magazine. It's called The Conversation, and the op-ed was titled "In Defense of the Notwithstanding Clause: Why Canada Should Hold On to It." Professor Callahan, thank you for joining us. How are you?
1: I'm well, thanks, Roy. Really. Thanks for having me
0: on. Yeah, and I apologize for the lengthy introduction, but I wanted to just bring our listeners up to date on that on that memorable meeting with Robert Barossa, which just happened by by fluke. Um, it's a great story. Yeah, it, 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 and he was very convincing. Actually, we were walking along the beach uh, facing the Pacific Ocean in California a week after the Quebec referendum on the sovereignty of uh, Quebec, and it was very surreal to be in that surrounding, talking about what had gripped the country so so incredibly the week earlier. The applications okay. of the Notwithstanding Act by Ontario and Quebec in recent years. You used the word lamentable. Yeah, I did. <laughs> So it's just can you just expand on that, and then your thoughts on, on Ontario using it now? Well,
1: uh, sure. There's two issues. There's two issues um, I think at play. Uh, one can disagree, of course, with the use on the basis that you you, you believe that the use itself is unjustifiable um, due to the right infringement. Uh, you know that that are actually being. Um, the rights that are actually being violated by the use of the Notwithstanding Clause. I think that actually applies as well. I mean, fundamental freedoms like uh, religion, they're so core to a person's identity that uh, the the Act in Quebec that invoked Notwithstanding Clause to guard that legislation from a challenge um, uh, certainly fell into that that description, as did the most recent use by uh, Ford. But there's a second way that you can... Be upset about what's going on, and that really is the way that I I uh, uh, emphasize, and that's because the the use of notwithstanding clause is being used preemptively, and that undermines, in my opinion, the entire rationale and justification for including it in our um, in our charter in the first place. Uh, so this is my thinking on the matter. I, I, in the op-ed that you that you uh, referred to, I make the argument that. Listen, it's, it's a good thing uh, that the Notwithstanding Clause is, is, in our, uh, is part of our charter because of our unique constitutional history, uh, in particular from the United States, whereas the United States is really, their constitution was generated by a distrust of government and you know, in, in, just kind of having a checks and balances system to hold uh, government to account. We have a constitutional history of responsible government, and parliamentary supremacy, where we have a lot of faith in our elected bodies. Uh, the notwithstanding clause reflects that constitutional history, and I think in an appropriate way. But when governments use it preemptively, it overlooks the kind of dialogue that should be going on between legislatures in court, um, which gets to the which gets to the point of why we have this thing. <laughs> we have this thing because if a legislature, a legislative body, actually disagrees with how a court has reasoned or balanced our rights versus the objective of the legislation, then at least it makes prima facie sense that the legislature should have the final say. They are elected, uh, uh, an elected body rather than an appointed body, and that at least makes prima facie sense. It doesn't make any sense um, on a democratic rationale to allow governments to simply use it Or political expediency, which is what I I think is going on uh, with the most recent uses.
0: Yeah, so in Ontario now, previously as well, and in the province of Quebec, it's interesting that the Parti Quebecois, when they formed the government in Quebec... They attached the notwithstanding clause to each and every piece of legislation they put in place. Each, for I think it was three years, each piece of legislation the Parti Quebecois uh, put in place came equipped with the notwithstanding clause. They didn't use it, but they're obviously making a statement. So the, the notwithstanding clause is the government's uh, opportunity, a government's opportunity, to have a careful study and reflection and looking at what's best. I'm making this up for the for the best of the people and the best of the province they can say look notwithstanding the rulings of the court notwithstanding the argument of the person of the group or individual we are in, in in dispute with we are making the decision as a provincial government that the legislative move that we've made will be carried through end of story end of discussion in that sort of circumstance when there's been proper dialogue proper uh, proper examination that makes sense to you yes but not but if you use it preemptively no
1: it, that's exactly right. And, and it, 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 it has to be understood in the context of another part of our charter, Section 1. <laughs> Section 1 of our charter allows government, when a court finds for a rights violation, it gives every government an opportunity to explain to the court why, despite that violation, it constitutes a reasonable limit on the enjoyment of those rights or the exercise of those rights when judged against, you know, the the values and the principles of a, a free and democratic society. So governments have that opportunity. Now, like I was saying, sometimes courts are still going to say, listen, not only government, have you infringed the rights, you've done so unjustifiably. And then it at least makes prima facie sense for the government to say, well, we disagree. This legislation is really important to us. We believe that the public interest really support this legislation. So we're going to move forward with it, uh, notwithstanding this dialogue. When Mm -hmm. governments invoke it preemptively, that is completely off the table.
0: All right, Professor Callahan, I have one more question for you. So I'm the person who's looking at this situation and looking at the kids in this province. I happen to live in Ontario, although the the program airs across five provinces in the country. But I would imagine the thinking of many people is quite similar. Kids belong in the classroom. And, uh, and it's been a very difficult uh, three years, two and a half years for children. And, and Ontario's kids were out of this classroom far more than kids in any other province in this country. So my, my visceral response is they belong in the classroom. And if you're going to fight against that, then I'm going to do whatever I need to do to get them into the classroom. I know that's not going to make me very popular with folks uh, who are leading unions, but that's just the way it is, from my perspective. What do you do as a government then uh, to 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 keep the classrooms open when you're facing determined opposition by unions, as has been the case here?
1: I mean, there's no obviously there's no one answer to that question. In this case, though, um, it is perhaps it, it, it is perhaps legitimate to say, listen, we're not getting anywhere with these negotiations. Uh, so we're going to put back-to-work back to legislation into effect. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we're not going to put the notwithstanding clause, attach the notwithstanding clause to it, mm-hmm. because we are going to expect that to be challenged, and then we're going to talk to a court and see what the court has to say about our objectives with this piece of legislation, the importance of pushing through this legislation, and whether or not it was justified to, to violate the collective bargaining right
0: okay.
1: um, of the union in doing so.
0: It's interesting though that you you make the point in your op-ed that courts can be activists and and judges are still people and and they can I don't know if emotion comes into play with judges it might so you might have an emotional response from a judge that isn't purely based on law and now you say well maybe I'm taking this too far but you say now how how do I deal with it I'm not trying to make a case for the Ford government to use the notwithstanding clause this is this is a what if scenario on my on my part
1: at that point, perhaps it would be more, it would at least be more justified. Uh, again, sometimes use of the clause can be criticized on the basis that you think that the government is doing it illegitimately um, or you might disagree with them, but at least at that case, they're not doing it preemptively and they've, they've waited to, to use it after they've get, been given a, a, an entire reasoning um, by a court for why it's an unjustifiable infringement